0: In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, what is the worst thing that could happen to Zion? Of all the things to watch out for, what is the one thing that we need to watch out for the most? As inconvenient as it is to have dwindling finances and a shrinking congregation, that wouldn't be the worst thing. Because Jesus has promised that even if there are only two or three of us left here gathered in his name, he'll be here with us. And as appalling and tragic as it would be to lose your pastor in a scandal of theft or adultery or something else wicked in the congregation, it wouldn't be the end of the world for you. Because God has preserved many churches that have been shamed in this way, and he has driven them deeper into his word through these things. So even if you lose your pastor, you haven't lost God's favor or his love. And as awful and dreadful as it would be if someone were to barge in here right now and unload a gun on all of us, the truth is that for those who are in Christ, the only thing those weapons can do is drive us into the arms of our dear Father in heaven. So as atrocious and barbaric as all of these sound, Jesus tells us there's something worse than these things. Today's gospel lesson, Jesus tells us the one thing we need to beware of the most is false prophets who come to us in sheep's clothing. The reason is this. While earthquakes and fires and accidents and murder will destroy and kill your body, false doctrine... Kills the soul. In every instance but one in the New Testament, Jesus used the word beware with this, with false doctrine itself. This is how serious and harmful it is. And yet, why is it that so many people don't really take this warning seriously? Why is it that so many hear these words and then just shrug their shoulders and look the other way? We haven't heard readings like that. This whole year, that powerful from the Old Testament, the epistle, and the gospel lesson, talking about the urgency and the severity and the seriousness of the true prophets and the true word of God. For so many, doctrine is the least of our worries when Jesus tells us to concern ourselves with it the most. And why is that? Well, the reason is because we're prone to love false doctrine more than we love the true doctrine of God. Our hearts were born without God's word in them, and so in their natural state, they want to stay that way. So our hearts will push away God's word in order to fill it with absolutely, literally anything else. This is our heart's default mode, the hatred of God and his word. That's what Romans 8, 7 says. The carnal mind is hostile at enmity, Against God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. True prophets preach what is unacceptable to reason and flesh. They preach that we are by nature evil, that we have nothing worthy in and of ourselves. They preach what is irrational and outlandish to our sinful minds. They preach that regardless of how you feel, you are much more sinful than you can understand or imagine or even believe. Regardless of what you've done, you have all fallen short of the glory of God. They preach that Christ needed to die on the cross to justify you for all of your sins, to win your forgiveness, to do absolutely everything for you, to give you salvation because you could never earn it or work for it or deserve it. And you can see how true this is in so many churches and congregations. You can see where the loyalty is when they get angry, upset, and belligerent whenever you simply do nothing more than read exactly word for word what the Bible says. The truth is you can see this hostility towards God in your own flesh still clinging to you when you tense up, when you become uncomfortable whenever this word is read. So you can notice it when 1 Corinthians 6 is read and God says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Or in 1 Timothy 2, when God says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Or in Psalm 101, when God says, Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I won't endure. Or in Ephesians 5, when God says, Wives, submit to your husbands, as to the Lord. Or in 1 Corinthians 11, when God says, Whoever eats uh, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Or in, uh, in John 14, when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we hear this, we tense up and we feel uneasy and we get a little upset when we hear these words. It shows that your sinful flesh naturally does not like it. And because of this, this is why so many people would rather listen to false prophets instead. It's much more bearable. In fact, false doctrine is enjoyable to our flesh, it's entertaining, it's motivating. False doctrine makes so much sense, and that is precisely why Jesus warns us about it. False doctrine doesn't tell you what God has actually said. It simply tells you what you already want to hear. You want to hear that anyone can receive the Lord's Supper? You got it. You want to hear that women can preach and teach and read in church? Then you have that too. You want to hear that homosexuality and abortion and pornography and living together before marriage are not sins that offend God, then you can have that too. You want to hear that Christianity is only one path to God among a thousand others, then you can have that. Essentially, you want to hear that you don't have to repent or you don't have to change, you don't have to change your mind on anything, and you're going to get exactly that. Whatever you want the wolf in sheep's clothing has got it for you. Because that's what wolves in sheep's clothing do. They come to you in the name of Christ, but they don't really preach Christ's word. They say and speak in the name of God, but they don't speak the words that came out of his mouth. So this is why it's so easy for a congregation to go off the deep end and fall into all kinds of lawlessness. It's easy. It's really easy to preach. And it's really easy to believe. Sure, the the, the wolf in sheep's clothing isn't going to flat out say, look, I'm going to deny God's word now. Rather, it happens slowly. He omits a word here, omits a word there. He slowly stops preaching about sin and the wrath of God. And then he talks more and more about mistakes and problems and just difficulties. And he does this all with a smile on his face. Face That smile, that friendliness, that style is just the wool on his back. Beware, because inwardly he is a ravenous wolf. So how do you spot a wolf in sheep's clothing? Jesus says you will find him by the fruit that he produces. And the fruit of a teacher is his teaching. So if a preacher, no matter his name no matter the LCMS logo on his church, no matter his prestigious doctor degree, no matter his smiley face and the great way with people, if a preacher doesn't preach God's wrath against sin, against your sin, if he doesn't preach Jesus' words that you are entirely helpless to save yourself, he is not preaching God's word but his own words. And Jesus tells you to mark and avoid him. Even if he uses religious language and says, Lord, Lord, and talks in glowing terms of Jesus and works wonders by drawing huge crowds to the church through programs or methods or sermons. If he doesn't preach to you that God's law condemns your sin, then you know that Jesus himself will say to him on that last day, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. And it's a sad truth that even though he opposes God, churches love him all the more. In fact, the less pastors teach God's Word, the more people are going to love Him. This is why false prophets live a life of leisure, with no worries and no stress and no problems. They never have to confront anyone or tell them to repent. But the more pastors teach God's Word, read it as it, God has caused it to be written, and preach it faithfully from the pulpit, the more struggle and trouble and trials He is going to get. And the same goes for you when you speak the Word of God to those who are around you you will get the same flock for it. These pastors have more sleepless nights, more knots in their stomachs, more sorrows on account of the kickback and hostility they receive for preaching the word. They get yelled at, lied about, doors slammed in their face simply for being faithful. If you think it's a stretch, think of the prophets and the apostles and the martyrs. Think of John the Baptist and Christ himself. How were they welcomed for the words that they said? Yet even though they were not welcomed, even though they were persecuted, the faithful preacher of God's word will preach it no matter what he has to endure. No amount of nails or crosses or swords or spears can dissuade him from the truth of God's word. No No amount of anger or dirty looks or mean words can get him to stop preaching the truth that God called him to preach. Christian preaching the good fruit that comes from the good tree is the preaching of Christ crucified for sinners. No preacher is preaching Christ unless he preaches what Christ has done for you. And Christ has taken away all sin, real sin, sin that hurts us, sin that has hurt others and alienated us all from the love of God. Be honest, I have no pleasure or joy in preaching the law's condemnation week after week. I have no fun rebuking sin and pointing it out. I don't like having to have the awkward conversation about closed communion to people who are just going to get angry with me. There are many pastors here today visiting who know exactly what I'm talking about. They don't like it either. I don't look forward to having to call people to repentance and have them confess their sins, and neither did the prophet Jeremiah, as you heard in the Old Testament. Jeremiah complained about it because all it seemed to do when he spoke God's word was make people mad at him. But I can't preach to you Christ the Savior from sin unless God's word has convinced you that you are indeed a sinner who needs God's forgiveness. That's why Jeremiah preached the law. That's why Paul preached the law, why all prophets and apostles preached it and why Jesus himself preached it. And any pastor who's worth listening to will preach the law that condemns sin because we all know that we need to hear, uh, we need to hear that we need a savior and that we have a savior in Christ. A good pastor isn't gonna mince words or explain it away. He'll preach it as, he, as it says. He'll point out the sin as he sees it. So believe it or not, Jesus is preaching a word of love in the gospel lesson. It's not a sissy or fake promoted, love promoted by false teachers who excuse God's word and excuse sin. It's the hard love of God who spent himself by bearing sins on the cross. When a false teacher tells the homosexual that he isn't sinning, He's only making himself, him, more miserable by robbing him of Jesus and the comfort God's uh, forgiveness gives. When a false teacher tells a man and a woman living together outside of marriage that they can live in that sin all they want, he's only robbing them of the forgiveness that Christ won for sinners. When a false teacher ignores God's law and refuses to tell you that drunkenness and gossip and self-pride are sins that offend God and call down his anger. He's only robbing you of Jesus' forgiveness for those very sins. Jesus preaches the law because he loves you, because he's telling you things as they should be. And he warns you against false teachers who refuse to do the same. He only wants to be with you, for you to confess your sins, to find forgiveness in his wounds, and to live with him forever. Faithful pastors preach God's word not just because Jesus tells them to, but also because if they don't preach that word, then they are depriving you of the treasure that Jesus has won for you. God's word is powerful. His word not only breaks our hearts with the hammer of the law, but His gospel creates a new heart in us by the preaching of Christ crucified. He doesn't leave you in your sins. When you confess your sin, when you see that you need a Savior, when God's word convinces you that you are indeed helpless, Jesus then preaches a new word, a word that no false teacher can ever rightly or truly preach to you. He teaches you what it means that, you, that he is your Lord and that you are his. He points to himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who takes on your flesh to bear your sin and become your Savior. This is God, your God, who has won a righteousness for you that is every bit as real as your sin is. A righteousness righteousness that covers every single spot of your sin that makes you a saint and a holy child of God. This is God's Word, which is unlike anything man can say. It creates from nothing. It gives righteousness and holiness where there was no righteousness or holiness. It gives perfection to those who are imperfect. It makes enemies into children of God. It picks up shattered lives and puts them back together. It comforts those who mourn. It gives honor and glory and joy to those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So yes, the worst thing that could ever happen to you, that could ever happen to this church, is if God's word were to be taken away from us. The worst thing that could ever happen is if any of God's word were to be replaced with the opinion of a man, the idea of a sinner, the imagination of a false prophet. The one thing to watch out for the most is losing this word of God, which creates faith and makes us his children. If we lose this word, we won't know God. And on that final day, he won't know us. But dear saints, right now you have this word. You have everything his word says you have. You've had it since your infancy when you were a child in this font. You have this word now, faithful and pure, preached in this pulpit week after week. You have this forgiveness, this righteousness, this innocence, and this blessedness. You have the Word of God that brings you Jesus, who forgives all of your sin, that destroys your death, that forgives your sin, that gives you everlasting life. Cling to the Word while you have it, and learn it while you have it. So live in this Word, and pay attention to it. Beware of false prophets who will try to take it away from you. Cling to the word of God and confess it and sing it and teach it to your children. Demand it of your pastor. Demand that he condemn your sins as real sins so that you can rejoice in a real Savior who really died to bury your sins. Who really rose to guarantee your union with God who loves you. And rejoice in the word that comes from the pulpit. Let the world rejoice with their own words, their own thoughts and ideas. They're going to come to an end. But you have the eternal word of God, the God who loves you, who warns you of danger, who saves you, who gives you a clean conscience. The best thing that could ever happen to you right now is happening. You have the word that your God himself has spoke. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.